Hey everyone, just a quick note before this week's episode. I read the Alana books when I was first about 10 years old, and I always thought that Tamara Pierce's name was pronounced Tamora because it just felt like the fantasy author thing to do. I was foolish and foolhardy, and I did not look up the correct pronunciation until after we had finished recording when I had a really big sinking feeling in my stomach that we had just done everything completely wrong. All it took was a simple Google search to find this wonderful audio clip that puts all my questions to rest. Hello, my name is Tamara Pierce. Tamara, pronounced like Tamara. My name was originally supposed to be Tamara, the Russian name, but the nurse who made my name out on the birth certificate in a very small town in southwestern Pennsylvania in 1954 had never heard of such a strange name, so she misspelled it, T-A-M-O-R-A, but it's not pronounced Tamora, it's pronounced Tamara. So we just like to take this opportunity to apologize for our chronic mispronunciation of Tamara Pierce's name. We mean no disrespect, we are just idiots, and we love her books very, very much. Hello, welcome to Dragon Babies. Yay. I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. And we are very excited to be bringing another book back to adulthood. Yay! <laughs> From childhood to adulthood. So last week, as you know, we did Sabriel, which was one of Madeline's very favorite books yeah. as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I'm extra excited because this week we're diving into a a massive series that is written by one of my very favorite fantasy authors and the character Alana is probably my main gal. I mean out of all the fantasy books I read this from the ages of 10 to 13 Mm -hmm. the Alana series was my life. Yeah. I mean I, I had a friend who I would we would spend hours just in her room um, acting out scenes from the Alana book. <laughs> that's, that's really great. I didn't um, know that. And <laughs> each being who would be John. Yeah, we didn't we usually didn't have like <laughs> romantic <laughs> scenes. Sorry to take it right there. We, but we definitely in a lot of ways it was like an option for us to practice flirting you know what I mean mm-hmm. like taking on those different in a theatrical roles. and exactly it was way. very theatrical we were both yeah. very into acting mm-hmm. we yeah both went on to do a lot of acting stuff in high school um in middle school she actually was in plays I was in the orchestra <laughs> Grace you were still a part of the play a very important part I mean Oliver Jr. wouldn't have been anywhere near as good without that off-key saxophone in the background so <laughs> I also think that in a lot of ways, much like Sabriel, the Alana books came into my life at the perfect time when I was starting to feel the anxiety of puberty Mm, and of, I don't know, my body wasn't changing yet, but you know, having to watch those videos about what was coming and how we'd be women soon and just getting really bummed about what being a woman 
means. <laughs> so and those videos, noise. you know, they're just so awkward and like terrible and they make you feel like you're going to become awkward and terrible. They're so painful. And I yeah. think it's, I don't know if they still do things this way. Yeah, today, I have no idea. <laughs> but they would separate the boys and girls whenever there was any kind of video to watch. Yeah. So then there was extra anxiety about what the others were mm-hmm. watching. Yeah. I mean, I always just <laughs> pictured the boys video as just like erection after erection. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. This is now your life. <laughs> There's no escape. <laughs> and our video is just <laughs> menstrual cycle after menstrual cycle. Ugh. Boys get erections, girls get periods. <laughs> anyway. It was the perfect time for me to find a strong female character who is also grappling with the discomfort of being a woman in a male-driven, male-dominated society and explicitly trying to fill a male role, mm-hmm. um, which obviously I, I've never wanted to, I've never wanted to go into the military or be a cop or take on one of these roles of protection that are typically held by men mm-hmm. um, but just having the freedom to do whatever you want even if there is a gender restriction on it mm-hmm. is really really appealing to me yeah and especially was when I was that age yeah and starting to feel trapped mm-hmm. um, how old were you when you read the Alana books so uh, I read them around the same time as you but Grace would only let me read the first one because there was sexy parts in the other ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then a few years later, I read the rest of them. Uh, and I really enjoyed them as well. Uh, and I also, you know, of course I identified with Alana, but um, I think that a lot of my attachment to her came from the, pe- the fact that I also saw her as Grace. With like like I like put some graceness into Alana That's because so Grace was uh, that was Grace's character Alana as Grace said and Dane from the next series was my character which was also perfect because they came out after mm-hmm. and she was younger than Alana mm-hmm. um, so uh, that was part of my attachment to her but then also I just thought that like she was so great I just thought she was so cool and I really loved that in this book. She is kind of an oddball and she's weird and she's not naturally good at anything. Like she has to work really hard mm-hmm. on everything. Mm-hmm. She's so small. Yeah, but the the like ne- the I don't know, popular people, the popular guys are actually really cool nice. <laughs> yeah. And really decent including yeah. the prince mm-hmm. and they all want to be friends with her because she's a stubborn little yeah, weirdo because they like, they, they like that yeah that is which I that really made me mm-hmm. happy to think like oh mm-hmm. man like maybe that's possible because I did not have that experience I Tamara Pierce does such a good job of presenting these young friendships and showing how transformative friendship can be mm-hmm. especially when it comes to the entire bullying segment mm-hmm. um, which is given a whole chapter of the book, which only has, I think, seven chapters. Seven or eight, yeah. Um, I wrote it down, but my 
My notes are really frantic because I did them in basically a <laughs> seven chapters after I blasted through the book and just had so much to say. Yeah, chapter three. How do you say his name? Rollin. 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 I, okay. This is going to be a... <laughs> the pronunciation is going to be even worse than Sabriel. There yeah. are so many characters and places and worse i'm pretty sure that there is okay i know there's a tamora pierce wikipedia um hopefully her name is also pronounced tamora and not tamara um wanted to look all this up before we recorded but <laughs> things have been really busy lately man thank good for george or george cooper right i know george cooper. what a great name i know exactly george, how to say that name <laughs> i appreciate you for so many reasons <laughs> but your simple to pronounce name is at the top That's of the list. Great. Okay, so let's do a little rundown of the basic plot of the book just for the uninitiated um, or those who may not have read the Alana series for a while. So Alana is one of a pair of twins. Her twin brother is named Tom. Um, and when it's time for them to come of age, they are supposed to be sent their proper ways for Tom to become a knight and for Alana to go to the convent, learn how to become a lady, then get married off. Yeah. Um, their dad doesn't care. He's just like the schlub. He spends his dad time is with his whole, books. Hilariously <laughs> awful dad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> time and time again. <laughs> and as the, I mean, yeah, as the series goes on, I mean, he dies young and there's no... There's no loss. Like, he doesn't even, he just wants them to go away so that he can, so that he can pretend he doesn't write have kids anymore. And do research. And I love how at one point they're like, yeah, he's working on this paper about such and such. And someone's like, well, that should take him the next 10 years. And you honestly believe that. You're like, yeah, I mean, probably. He doesn't have anything else to do. Well, and if there weren't, if this completely heartless academic weren't accompanied by one of the most lovable academics on paper, Miles, yeah. then I would say that it was some it was kind anti-academic. Of because yeah. everyone else is out running around physically saving True. Tortal, Tortal. I'm so sorry. Everyone. I always said Tortal okay. in my Tor- head. Tortal feels good to me yeah. too. Okay. We're going Tortal, guys. Um, so this is our podcast. Send us angry messages. <laughs> <laughs> Tweeted us. Uh, yeah. So it, it's clear that it, it's not a comment on academics, but he's awful. Um, so the two of them, Alana and Tom, decide to put on a, the greatest prank of all time uh, when Alana will pretend that she is actually a, a boy, um, that they are twins, and that Tom is going to be sent to learn to become a sorcerer. And I did appreciate, I thought it was really intelligent that they decided not to do a gender swap because I think yeah. it would have been much more difficult for Tom to pretend to go through puberty as a woman it and become not, a woman. <laughs> Not it would just because. be a lot more difficult. Yeah, hopefully that idea never even made it <laughs> out when they were discussing their options. Yeah, he would have to really spend a lot of time learning how to do drag. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Alana forges a letter because she's great at disguising her dad's handwriting. And the two of them go off with their servants, mm-hmm. with Coram going along with Alana and Maud going with Tom. Um, and Coram goes on to become 
just an incredible person. Gorham is great. From the start, he's very grumpy. He doesn't want this to happen. He thinks it's ridiculous. But Alana threatens him with magic, which I... <laughs> that makes me a little uncomfortable. She that... threatens to, like, give him waking nightmares. Well, and I think it's also just a comment on classes in the book mm. that she's saying to him, you know, oh, you, like, lower common folk. You're so scared mm-hmm. of what we what those of us with the gift can do and you know it it feels like such a base threat to me yeah um like something you don't understand i'm going to hold over you Mm -hmm. and um turn into something terrifying although is that a class thing do only nobles have the gift is that a thing no the gift is random yeah it is random you're right but it does it does still like with their servant noble relationship right, because it of the definitely positions plays into that. that yeah. Because she's mm-hmm. in a position of power and Coram yeah. is, you know, sworn to protect her no matter it's what. It's not really cool. Yeah. But it works. And she's like nine, ten. When the book starts I think they're ten. Yeah. I think they're ten. They're right around that age. Mm-hmm. I think so. Because I remember checking on that when she first begins her lessons and I'm horrified by just how little she and you know her classmates are when they start Mm -hmm. learning to become knights yeah but then everything happens younger in these kind of medieval societies i mean george is the king of thieves and he is 17 when she meets him wow i didn't realize how young i I actually always thought their age gap was larger when i was young yeah that was something that really struck me on rereading i was like oh my gosh okay so their eventual relationship is a little bit less scandalous than I had always thought it was. Yeah. I, I thought I thought he was a man, but he, he is a teenager that when they sense. first meet. Yeah. Also it makes sense that the King of Thieves would be a a teenager. Yeah. But how did he learn to be so charming in just seventeen short years? He's you know, he's like a he's special. That's why they made him the king that's why he's the King of Thieves, he Grace. Is that is a very charming position. <laughs> I mean special. really Okay. So I'm I I think that's enough of a plot summary. Alana goes to learn to become a knight. Yeah. And then that's this book is about her first three first years. adventures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um up until she becomes a squire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She becomes a yeah. squire at the very end of the yeah. book. Like you that's don't actually see end. it happen, but you yeah. know like John says Right, because he needs squire. to choose his squire. That's how he talks. <laughs> I'm the prince. <laughs> I'm Jonathan. Please accompany me. That's my squire. Okay, I'm, I'm verging on Iron Chef announcer territory. <laughs> All right. Um, so since I touched on George briefly, okay. I do want to comment on how in a lot of ways that character, I mean, George... I've always loved. He is one of my favorite characters mm-hmm. in any of Tamora Pierce's books. Yeah. Um, he's so capable and rakish, and from the start, he welcomes a lot. He's really chill. Yeah, I, I believe he's, he's told by the gods, essentially, to meet Alana. Yeah. Or to meet mm-hmm. Alan. Yeah. Um, so there is super, some kind of supernatural force at work, mm-hmm. but he's still you know, helps her every step of the way. The only time he ever shows any kind of restraint is when he thinks that she's asking him to murder Rowan. Yeah, which is, like, early on in their relationship, and yeah. that's when he was, he's, like, 
oh, I misjudged you. Like, you're not cool. And then yeah. she corrects him. And he's like, oh, that was lame of me to feel that way about you. <laughs> and I just love that he is the first one to discover her mm-hmm. secret. Yeah. Um, I think it's very appropriate. And I yeah. think that he's just such a good, he's such a good guide. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also makes sense because he's far enough outside of the circle that it would be okay for him to know and he's the king of thieves like he doesn't really care about mm-hmm. like protecting the code of chivalry or anything right. so like he was a very low risk person for her to tell no it's true and Alana one, th- one thing I also love about these books is that Alana always knows what to do mm-hmm. I mean her instincts are always correct she's a problem solver she is a problem solver she has the protection of the gods mm-hmm. yeah, so, um, yeah and she she's so she goes about her life and even about these larger quests mm-hmm. um, with such certainty and I really admire that and can take it as inspiration and she she solves problems really fast too mm-hmm. like she doesn't spend time like sitting around and moping which helps the book really move along because yes. there's no there's no downtime yeah everything that happens is important to the plot which you know I really enjoy fantasy tomes and epics but it's just I forgot that um Tamara Pierce uh like her writing is so fun like there's just so much so much stuff happening all the time and it's all like juicy and like it's like um I don't know just really enjoyable and it's it's fun to see like the characters develop so fast. There's so much character development in such a small amount of time. That I mean, as a as a writer, I it's so hard mm-hmm. to introduce and characterize new people. Yeah. Um, and not only does this book's exposition move at an incredibly fast clip. I mean, it covers three years at school, mm-hmm. but each time it introduces someone new, you, I mean, you get a feel for everyone even the boys in John's friend group who you would think would just be a kind of interchangeable mix and match of like mm-hmm. oh handsome strong young men on yeah. their way to becoming knights um, but they're each so distinct yeah. and you really care for each of them mm-hmm. in the end um, I, I had a lot of moments where rereading this I thought of Harry Potter because it's a similar feel of we're in school for something we've never experienced before. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got my friends, I've got my bully, I'm just trying my best, and I am a chosen person. Yeah. Uh, but Harry Potter takes one year per book. Um, it just moves much faster. It has a ton of moping in it. Mm, there's so much mope. <laughs> So much about being. Well, I mean, we're both Harry Potter fans. Yeah, we like we Harry Potter love, very much. We love Harry Potter, and uh, but there's just a lot of moping. It's just the, yeah, it's just the truth. Whereas Alana is, um, it yeah, like I said, impressively sure of herself and of her overall duty. She also has a lot less. I mean, what she's being trained in, while it's not as like exciting and special as like being a wizard, mm-hmm. one of the few wizards in a world full of muggles. It is much more serious. She's mm-hmm. being trained to kill people in order to protect the kingdom. Like, ostensibly, yeah. the magic that they learned in Harry Potter is not, like, to k- 
kill people, right? Like it's supposed to, it's more like getting a liberal arts degree. Right. I mean, afterwards <laughs> they plan on getting jobs. Jobs, in, yeah. Mostly in the Ministry of Magic. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're planning to work in, within a bureaucracy. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, um, yeah, whereas is this going is going to so, kill people. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's so uh, medieval. Yeah. Um, and I also appreciate that she has to get comfortable with the act of killing yeah. and that there is um, that there are these impressions put on her to use her healing gift mm-hmm. to offset the lives that she ultimately will take. Yeah. So just speaking a little bit more about the way that Alana hiding her identity as a woman changes the way that there's that gender interplays within the book structure. Um, it feels so different than most fantasy novels that are centered around some kind of medieval court um, or around a group of knights. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there are a lot of interesting kind of homoerotic undertones between the boys um, whenever they're interacting with Alan. Mm-hmm. But I also wonder if this is somewhat inherent to a lot of books about knights or about these all male groups or mm-hmm. societies, because there's still a need for affection, yeah. even physical affection. It's like um, people on a sports team together. Right. Yeah. There and yeah. A, and by physical affection, a, I don't mean uh, sex. I mean right, no, just but touching one another. Yeah. 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 Um, like John tweaking Alan's nose but it also there were also moments that I think I had more when I was younger than I did rereading it where it felt like I don't know I never wanted to feel this way because I love Miles so much but Miles and Alana's relationship sometimes was just so close Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that there's also so much room for a father son yeah, connection. Yeah, I always pictured it as a paternal filial relationship because Alana didn't have mm-hmm. parents essentially. I mean, her mom was di- had died during childbirth, and her, and dad, her dad had dad never been just, in her life. Yeah, <laughs> so it it is really cool that she can have that with someone that she mm-hmm. has an outlet for yeah. that kind of um, for that kind of feeling. But there is a there is a moment when I think it's Duke Gareth is talking to John and one of them says that, you know, Alan never complains, but his dad doesn't care about him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of take that as, okay, well, that explains why Alan and Miles are spending so much time together. Yeah. Well, and I also feel like Miles, he like had a dream that he was supposed to, to take, take him, Alan to this place. like To take him to the ruins. I think yeah. to a certain extent mm-hmm. he was being... Uh, like he was pushed also being by influenced. the gods to like help this person grow because this person was yeah. going to have an important role to play mm-hmm. in the events. Well, rereading this, um, I paid more attention this time than I did when I was younger to whether Alana was succeeding because of her own merit or because of the gods. Because mm-hmm. there are moments when uh, there's explicit acknowledgement of the fact that a god made this connection happen yeah or like when she gets the sword right exactly or even even just a lot of her friendships the way that they start Mm -hmm. it's because of outside influence Mm -hmm. but at the same time 
Alana is such a wonderful character. I mean, she's so hardworking yeah. and honorable, and everyone is always calling her pert in a yeah. loving way. <laughs> and she just seems like so much fun. And yeah. some of the funniest dialogue is Alana insulting someone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could and totally understand like, why... Don't be part, Alan. Yeah, like, why all her friends like her so much? Yeah. She's so fun. No, she's she, so cool. she seems so great. Like, she, you know, she wants to put in the extra hours mm-hmm. on the practice field, yeah. but then she also wants to, like, complain about their homework together. But and she doesn't want anyone to say that she's gotten where she's gotten uh, because mm-hmm. of something that wasn't her hard work. Mm-hmm. And she feels like she has to be doubly as good because she's a woman she and does. she's afraid that therefore people will, you know, she's right, mm-hmm. use it to denigrate her. Well, and that's something else that made me really sad as I was reading that Alana has so much internalized misogyny. Yeah. Um, she Which makes sense. She's living in a oh very patriarchal oh, society obviously. yeah it's it's completely natural but coming from sabriel to this mm. was a huge step in, yeah. a, in a different direction mm-hmm. um because they every time she has a moment where she doubts herself she says i'm a girl mm-hmm. i mean it, it just comes to me and i am i am less yeah. i am less than um when she's describing really anything that she's doing in comparison to her classmates and her friends yeah and there was this is one thing I was thinking which of course I did not think when I was a child and read these books when they're talking you know there's multiple times uh where people I think Maud says it um George Cooper's mom says it like you have to accept what you are right like don't try to push it away and I had like a tiny moment of like Oh no, this isn't like an anti-trans rhetoric, is it? Mm-hmm. But it's not. Yeah, it. I know. I thought about that too. But it's not because Alana is a cisgendered, right. uh, female-bodied, and female-identifying person. Right. She's just forced to take on right. a male persona and role so that she can do what she wants. Because it's exactly. never like she wishes. She wishes that she had been born a man in order to be able to do these things, mm-hmm. but she doesn't like. You know, she doesn't feel like she should have a man's body and, Mm -hmm. you know, that her woman body isn't for her. So I don't think that that's, I think it's different for that reason. Yeah. No, I I absolutely agree with you. And I mean, that kind of changes some of the homoerotic undertones too, really, because she is a girl interested Mm -hmm. in men. Yeah. Interacting with men who are interested in girls. Right. Oh, sorry. Men and women. They're all they're all so young. Yeah, they're all children. Just, basically. Yeah, they're basically kids. There's so many moments when I'm like, you are not old enough to be dealing with yes, this. It's yes. so upsetting. Um, it it is. It's so good to have this series progress with Alana's personal growth and adolescence mm-hmm. the way it does. Yeah. And like I said, it was a perfect time for me. I mean. When she was binding her boobs, I wanted to be yeah. binding mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was so desperate to put off adolescence for mm-hmm. as long as possible. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, it was really fun for me to be able to read these books back then and have Alana's sexuality and, um, you know, along with her changing body, mm-hmm. um, com- come along with just different steps in life that I was experiencing not that I had any sexuality at the age of 13 because I didn't um, but it just helped me feel more prepared 
Yeah, yeah. And I got to have moments like reading the fourth book in my sixth grade silent reading (laughs) session and having my teacher walk behind me during like one of the Liam sex scenes, (laughs) uh, which was great. (laughs) It was at a Catholic school. Yeah. Even more censorship than you'd expect. So we've already discussed many of the ways that our impressions of the book have changed. But there was something specific um, wherein I noticed that back in the day when I read this, I went right to my mental images of what I thought the characters looked like, which I created without paying attention to mm-hmm. the character descriptions. I did that a lot. Rereading too. it, each time someone was introduced, I was like, no, that's not right. That's not what they look like. And then I stopped and thought about it and was like, Grace, you are unreliable. That is not cool. I mean, I always, I pictured him like like a fat old monk for some reason. Oh, that's still how I pictured him. I guess I missed the part that said he wasn't like, like that. And that he was, I don't know, I thought he didn't have, like he was bald. Yeah, um, I pictured him as like a huge, you know, older no, but, but has, kind dude. He has a beard and he has hair and they say that he's still, at some point, that he still, you know, is holding on to his figure even if he's put on some weight. So he was totally different. Always thought that Jonathan was blonde, which is wrong. Really, I never thought that Jonathan was blonde. I I did not. The dark one. No, he's dark. (laughs) I know, and that makes so much more sense. It all makes more sense. No, the the bully is always blonde. I know. (laughs) (laughs) We're both brunettes, (laughs) by the way. FYI. Um, I guess I just always saw him as this, you know, princely figure and Disney princes are also not blonde, but something about him. John's not my favorite character. And He's not really mine either. He just didn't have this power to him um, that comes with being brown haired. I mean, I don't, I don't know what I'm saying at this point, but I thought he was blonde. And also, Alana is more boyish than I always imagined and maybe it's that I'm coming back to the first book yeah because you're having read probably the children last don't have secondary sex characteristics so they are much more um, androgynous but, just but in general when I was young I relied so much on cover images to give me cues uh, about what characters looked like and we're, we're both looking at the cover right now they give her a completely flat chest but she has eyelashes um, she has a very soft soft features she's just very pretty and she's very very she pretty looks she looks like has a, a pixie a girl face. yeah she looks like a little fairy yeah she she really looks like a beautiful girl mm-hmm. not a, not a boy um, and I did, when doing research, see that the books have been re-released as a set um, mm-hmm. with very different cover artwork. That I didn't even first, look at them much. At first I didn't like it just because yeah. I was feeling nostalgic and mm-hmm. this is what I wanted. Yeah. But they're actually very striking. The first book is um, Her Horse. It's just a, it's dark, kind of blood red. I think they were going for more of a Hunger Games kind of vibe. I'm sure that the marketing had something to do with it. Because looking at not this... Not very Hunger Gamesy books. No, not, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, they, these books, we'll put a picture of this cover up on our Twitter, um, which were released in the 90s, yeah. are so colorful. They're really sweet. I mean, her, uh, her horse has this flowing 
curly hair and, and is prancing like a, prettily next to Alana. A lavender mist surrounding her, symbolizing her magic. Right. She has her purple glow to show off her gift. Um, yeah, it's it's a very, very different feel, whereas the new ones are very aggressive. Um, and uh, I think that's interesting. I think it'll bring in a new audience. Yeah, I'm um, glad they've been re- released. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's really cool that they have released a new mm-hmm, set because yeah. I think that these books are so timeless. Yeah, it's really true. I could not believe that these were written in the 80s. Yeah, no, that that was the, really She just, incredible. she did a really, really good job of writing in a fantasy world that ages wonderfully because she put it she really rooted it in that fantasy world you know they don't use any stupid modern aphorisms that a lot of the time are in fantasy and it just just becomes so like oh my gosh like uh, yeah this was written in the 70s <laughs> yeah no, you know it's true very um tolkienian of her it's true yeah Uh, She also is so progressive in the way that she describes different characters, the racial diversity in all of her books. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think of the Circle of Magic books specifically, where race actually plays a critical role Mm -hmm. in how um, some of the kids are accepted in the towns that they're sent to to carry out their quests. and instead of just ignoring race right instead of never mentioning anyone's skin color the way Mm -hmm. that that happens in a lot of fantasy series and then things get whitewashed because because you just assume they're white well yeah if you if they don't communicate anyone's skin color then it becomes very apparent that for them and for their white readers white is the default color and therefore like you know that everyone is just normal they're white which is so you know it doesn't doesn't help anything (laughs) i did when I started this book, I appreciated how simple and straightforward the writing was, mm-hmm. and I reflected a little bit on the fact that her writing definitely became a little more challenging and adult as each series went on. Mm. I feel like there is a bit of a, and this is just reflected in the events that the protagonists are also mm-hmm. living through yeah. at the beginning of each of their series. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm thinking of the the three, uh, I looked up the word for when there are four books in a series. Um, it's it's uh, a quad something. It's, quad, quad, it's not a quadrangle. <laughs> Quadribitex. Quadrangle is just a hilarious word. Okay, so a trilogy, a quintet. Is it a quintet? No, that's five. Quadrangle? <laughs> it still says quad... Chris has Googled it, and Google says quadrangle. No, quadrangle says a four-sided plane figure. <laughs> Hang on. Did you just Google quadrangle, Grace? That's That wasn't helpful. Okay, Grace series, is still Googling. Series, series four. four. Oh. Tetralogy. Quadrilogy. 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 It can also be quartet. <laughs> Didn't I say quartet? No, I said no. quintet. You said quintet. We're okay. good at numbers. So I'm thinking... <laughs> I'm thinking of the the three quartets that were really important to us as kids. So there's Alana, there's Dane, Mm -hmm. and there's Kel. Dane is the wild magic one. Dane is wild magic. Kel is the one who is the first woman to take up. Protector of the the small. small, Protector of the small. The strong do not often need protection. (laughs) They got it. Um, Kel is the first woman to take up the offer of becoming a knight as a After, woman, as which a result is the rule that's changed Alana, yeah. because of Alana. 
So go go you alone. She's so incredible. She she not only succeeded on her own and got all her own adventures in, but she changed the system. She completely from within. How often do people actually accomplish that? I know. Yeah, Alana. No, she's what a good lesson. She is. um, She's rebellious, and she does what she feels is right. And as we've said, she has a perfect moral compass. Mm -hmm. So. There's no going wrong. Ah, yeah, she's the best. Um, I guess what I was saying about those series, the women do have sexual relationships mm-hmm. once they're old enough for that to happen. It's not crammed in from the start, mm-hmm. like like can happen with some young adult books where they where the I think the author feels like there needs to be. Um, a titillating storyline which would have been uh, which would have been uncomfortable for me because she was like 10 so you know right that would have been horrifying it's not good bummer <laughs> um, but I good. did want to say that I really really liked that when she went to see George Cooper's mom mm-hmm. um, you know she told her all about periods and babies and then she just no questions asked or anything just said here Take this charm. Take this charm. And there was no more further conversation needed. Alana was just like, I don't plan on I having know, Alana sex. Alana said, I'm not laying with a man. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Good idea. And she puts yep. it on. And that is the end of the birth control discussion. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was great. I, I really loved that. I have a note that says it is so expletive deleted <laughs> that Alana doesn't know about menstrual cycles. But could I also please get a charm that protects against pregnancy? What? I mean, it's incredible. George George's mother is also this just soothing, oh, awesome. all-knowing figure mm-hmm. who feels like one of the goddesses. Yeah, she really me. does feel like a, um, a goddess. And is just so, um, you know, she acts as Alana's mother figure who mm-hmm. she really only has in terms of supernatural forces. Yeah. She doesn't she doesn't have a, a female in her life outside of Elaine I, Elaine Cooper. Mrs. Cooper. Mrs. Mi- no, no. No, not Mrs. Cooper. No, yeah. Elaine, uh, uh, we'll call her Elaine. I've just been saying George Cooper's mom. She has a name. She has an identity. Speaking I'm of names. I'm not trying to rub. I'm, yes, I apologize. <laughs> I just was, you know, taking the easy way out. So No, it's fine. I understand. <laughs> Speaking of names, another... I, I think there's just so many ways this book scratches all the itches that young girls have when mm-hmm. it comes to storytelling. Yeah. Um, the love of naming things, of naming inanimate objects or animals. Yeah. Like, there's always so much totally. thought and excitement yeah. put into it. And mm-hmm. everyone is like, yeah, yeah that's a great name. name. Like, <laughs> Moonlight, Faithful. I mean, I guess Faithful comes in the next book. It's like in a video um, game when you name something and then the person is like, that's a great yeah, name. Great, great job. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll call you that. Yeah, no, it's it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, even now, I, I got excited when reading and mm-hmm. there was a, a new yeah. object name. Just feels good. Okay, so we've spent a lot of time talking about everything that we love about this book so now we got to talk about the guy that you gotta hate the big jerk roger same same villain name wow. as uh, Sabriel. oh my god uh, well i mean we just may have butchered pronunciation of Ro- rogier rogier 
Yeah. Rocker. Yeah. I'm not going to try. Probably not Rocker. That's horrible. <laughs> it's the least. Not a good name. The least appealing. No wonder word. he went so evil. <laughs> Rocker. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a human. Um, I, I do think it is really funny how the book's central villain is so obvious. And I know. <laughs> From the moment Alana sees the him. The very first moment she says something like, she didn't know why, but she felt terrible. Yeah. She doesn't want to trust him. She doesn't want to tell him anything, yeah. even the smallest details. He's super handsome, dresses yep. very colorfully, very flashy. No, that's always great how yeah. one walks out of a room and it says, you know, Alana still hated him, but she had to admit he had style. <laughs> He's just such, like, a, you know, he's wearing this giant neon sign screaming, I'm the bad guy. Yeah. Secret bad guy. Not so secret bad guy, really. But everyone else loves him. Oh, Alana no. is the only one, because her magic is really strong. I think yeah. that's why she can tell. And yeah. she's, like, protected by the deities versus everyone else is just, like, blinded by his mirage of goodness. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he has his literal glimmer necklace mm-hmm. that he yeah. uses yeah. to talk Jonathan into um, very seriously risking his life. And then Jonathan just writes it off. He's just like, he just wanted that me to write a wrong. That like, was very yeah, frustrating. Yeah, and Atlanta's just like, oh my dear. <laughs> I mean, they're laying in the oasis together. All their truths are died. out in the open. Yeah. And Jonathan can't see what's right in front of him. It's, it's very frustrating. Dumbo dumb. I think one way in which the obvious villain is subverted a little bit is that the primary conflict in the book, the Isandir, um, mm-hmm. aren't mentioned until almost the ending. They're still very mysterious, yeah. even through the battle and afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're the, the ones that caused Jonathan and Alana the greatest danger, other than the sweating sickness. Yeah, because, um, like, Raylon or Rallon, mm-hmm. what are we saying? Raylon, Rallon? Uh, Rallon. Okay, so Rallon. 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 He uh, just, like, wasn't that big of an issue. Like, you kind of, even though it felt really bad to Alana, um, you kind of knew that Alan was just going to beat him. And, like, mm-hmm. Alana had the support of her friends mm-hmm. the whole time. There was never, yeah. like, you know, she was left out in the cold. And, like, she always had really good support from really good people who were beating him up. Yeah. It's just that she needed to beat him up herself yeah. um, to protect her honor. So I'm glad that you said that, like, the big bad was the Roger. <laughs> I God, I wish every kid who's ever been bullied could just read that chapter. Yeah. And I know that this is a wonderfully crafted fantasy story mm-hmm. and obviously real life bullying doesn't always have a happy ending yeah. or have friends who can act as backup. I mean the worst is when you're bullied by someone and you're alone. Yeah. And you don't have Raul to beat the crap out of your bully. Well, or when you're bullied by multiple people, then mm-hmm. it's really Or even just... support you and say you have to, you know, you have to fight back, mm-hmm. you have to figure this out yourself. Yeah. Um, and I know that the book's message is essentially you need to meet violence with violence. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, they are learning to be nice. Yeah. Uh, 
that they're measured by their physical prowess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't among other mess things. Around I mean, of course, it matters theme, really. that they that they care about yeah. what they're doing and that they have mm-hmm. um, that they have strong morals. But and it, but it really didn't feel like a perverse or bad lesson to me because knighthood has a place, a very important place in this medieval society. Like it's, it doesn't seem like it's a a poor lesson to be teaching about violence. No. So that didn't bother me at all. No, I don't think so. Um, but I, I loved reading that chapter so much, and I really thrilled to Alana's different victories and failures. Yeah. Um, and she ultimately comes up on top, although Roland will return in the future. I just don't remember those seceding books he, very much but I also we might want to do them so maybe yeah we, we, we can talk about them later but he does he does come back and play a large role um, in the fight against good <laughs> we'll just say that <laughs> something that I forgot to mention earlier when talking about new impressions of the book um, that deviate from mm. how we felt when we were kids yeah, right. uh, was that the Alana's adjustment period when she's starting night school, mm-hmm. <laughs> essentially, um, was so so much more relatable to me now, having been through undergrad, I guess. Um, been through some stuff. Yeah, just <laughs> starting, you know, your first real job, just, just all these moments of feeling that, okay, there's always more than I could ever possibly complete, mm-hmm. so I prioritize, mm-hmm. I choose what needs to be done, and I'll figure the rest out later and accept my punishment. Yeah. I mean, I love them saying, you know, yeah, they, they keep telling you you can do it in your free time, but free time, no free time is an illusion. Yeah. That's never going to happen. Um, and Alana really is struggling to grapple with that, and a lot of the book being, at the start, being... Um, just focusing on her trying to get through that period and then getting really upset and telling Coram yeah. that she wants to go home and she's not going to do it. But Coram doesn't even pack his bag. Doesn't even pack. Takes his boots back <laughs> off again when she leaves. <laughs> okay, so we, we can do uh, uh, our fake food segment. Yeah, I was just thinking about talk that. About, uh, talk about the pretend sustenance and how much it makes us want to find real sustenance that can uh, give some of that same satisfaction. Um, because there wasn't a lot of food description. There was a ton of clothing description. Mm, yeah, that's true. There's so much attention paid to accessories and even just putting on each layer and all the odds and ends that you need to dress as a knight or not as a knight necessarily, but as a knight in training. Yeah. And I mean, actually, I just wanted to say quickly that I was kind of, I think they were kind of in on it too, the, just the fact that like they weren't eating enough. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of hates breakfast. Right. People are like, oh, yeah. eat your stupid breakfast, you dumb kid. <laughs> well, they didn't say that, but they have put more food on her plate. I think it's Gary who puts yeah, food on her like plate. Yeah, and like at another point, like Coram hands her a roll and milk, and he's like, drink this milk. <laughs> Drink this roll. And, well, like, at the end, when they're lying at the Oasis, after they've both almost died, and uh, Jonathan's like, I wish I would have brought some food. And I was just like, you idiot. 
Why did you not bring food? You have food. Like, what is wrong with you? Because I got a little confused during their trip to the Black City. I didn't realize how far away it yeah, was. Yeah, it was a trek. Because by the time they are, it was like a journey fleeing. Or no, no, it's when they go up to the central building and they, it says the noon sun beat mm-hmm. down on them. So they had already been, you know, if they left in the night, they yeah. had already been riding for, you know, nine-ish hours. They didn't bring any food. Didn't bring anything. I mean, I guess I guess that Jonathan was kind of spelled, wasn't he? Like, he was having, yeah, like, the city he, was kind of calling to him. He was compelled. Yeah. He was. But Alana always seems to be the more practical one but of the know, two, she, and like, she didn't bring anything. like, food very much, but... Well, she is very small, so she probably doesn't have to eat that much to keep up her, like, physical integrity, but I don't know. How, how does it work, though, if you're a small person? I don't know. I'm, I think I you eat just constantly. need less food. I think part of the absence of food is that whenever they have banquet dinners, mm-hmm. Alana has to serve. So she, she probably, like, is here and there. there. Yeah, she's never really sitting down and enjoying them. Okay. Um, That's not part of her life, enjoying right, food. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, she I think so. She eats food. Um, and she likes beverages. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they, they talk about Miles's love of drink, but they never even say what he's drinking. Do they say wine or mead or anything? Does the author say? All I can remember is that we're just calling her the author now. (laughs) (laughs) Ms. Pierce? Madame Pierce. Um, We apologize. I remember that when she made the medicine for Jonathan, there was Mm -hmm. mead in it. Mm -hmm. I remember that when they Mm -hmm. are in the desert with the vizier, they drink a wonderful green liquid they don't even say if it's alcohol like she just says it tastes amazing no right. like yeah no and, and flavor you descriptors it's like absinthe or something yeah, i guess but, um, um, and then um honorable mention shout out to that lemonade that i just like this lemonade being served in like a thieves haven yes. tavern what is it is it just like lemons and water <laughs> like I just because sugar is mm-hmm. like a, a precious resource in medieval settings typically you know we don't talk about it in this but and water usually wasn't potable yeah which is why they had so much so meat. maybe it's just lemon juice so maybe it's just lemons <laughs> maybe it's like a shot of lemon juice all just hopped up on lemon juice God, ugh. I hope yeah because whenever they, whenever Alana and her friends um with the exception of uh, who becomes Roger's squire? I can't remember. Alex. Alex, yeah. Um, With the exception no. of Alex, they so, all get lemonade every time they go to the bar. Maybe it is a super weak alcoholic beverage made with lemons. I feel pretty proud of that one. Came okay. up with that now. <laughs> like, it's very low I'll, alcohol I'll, percentage, I'll so, like, you, you can't really get drunk off of it, but, like, yeah. it's fermented in a way mm-hmm. that, you know, it's not, like, disgusting cholera-filled water from right. the, the river. Mm-hmm. It's lemon kvass. <laughs> lemon kvass. <laughs> Madeline spent a long time talking about kvass earlier today. Kvass. I don't know. I'm not, I don't speak Russian. I'm sorry. No, that was great. I, I like it. Kvass. Which is basically bread drink. Yes. It's not my favorite. <laughs> but, you know, maybe the people of Tortal enjoy their lemon kvass before they can 
drink alcohol. Before they're 13, that's when they can start drinking alcohol. <laughs> Seems to be how it works. If you can be the king of thieves at 17, you can drink alcohol at 13. Yeah. One more, one more point about Roger. Alana's being uncharmed by him and being free of his machinations, machinations, machinations. Um, is that related to her just personal strength or is it again the goddess interfering? I think that um, you could say both mm-hmm. because Alana's gift is like from the goddess. You know, they always talk about how the gift is, you know, that's why it's called a gift, it's a gift from the gods. But I think that she also knows how to use it and mm-hmm. she's learning how to use it and that's part of the way that it manifests is that like she's not gonna let this guy pull the wool over her eyes and like mm-hmm. cast a glamour on her like everybody else because like she's just more skeptical she's more she's more skilled by th- than that she's mm-hmm. not gonna be charmed by this dude and there are components of her um, just her intuition and her magic that make his attempts to um, interrogate her so obvious like she has a headache after their first meeting Mm -hmm. um, and then she learns that he's asking everyone about how John really escaped the sweating sickness I mean I can't believe he makes it as long as he does guys because he he goes on to kill the queen I didn't remember that but um I feel like that's a spoiler because I feel like it's a spoiler for a different book and we should <laughs> okay, say well, that. I'll think about it. Maybe I'll cut it out. <laughs> She's not going to cut it out. <laughs> and he just, I mean, to take down a king, a queen, and their son I just without like, getting caught so that you can you know, legally ascend the throne. Why doesn't the king have like some court mages? Like, yeah. what the heck? The only right. people that protect him are like Miles and Gareth Mm -hmm. and Roger, but Roger's actually trying to kill him. And there are oddly so few people who are skilled in magic. Yeah, it's weird. Um, There's a weird lack of experts. I kind of think of it as like the teachings of magic were lost. Like magic is kind Mm -hmm. of fading from their world, I feel, at the beginning of this, but it, you know, comes right back in. I mean, the fact that Alana and Jonathan can reset the black city that mm-hmm. they can rid it of its incredibly powerful evil denizens yeah who's been there for like hundreds of years yeah um you know killing the young yeah of the nearby towns it's it's shocking yeah so i feel like there was a but the time... black city is also bizarre i mean everyone basically yeah. just says we don't go there don't go there and don't do it and they do <laughs> straight for it maybe, maybe someone else would have no one else would have been able to kill them. It would had to be Alana and Jonathan. I think of it as like magic is a little bit of this lost art. The old ones, like who Alana gets her sword from, and then the bad dudes who are called <laughs> I don't know their names. Sandir. Yes, the Sandir. Um, they are from an ancient time and when magic was much more prevalent and like magic's really kind of dying out and that's why like because people are afraid of it mm-hmm. they're like demonizing it even mm-hmm. the king said that like 
he was trying to ignore Jonathan's magic, and then he has Roger come in and start right. training him. He's like, okay, let's not be dumb. Yeah, they were not having any magical training. So I think that people really, and maybe that's why like the guys are angry at them mm-hmm. or something, because they're letting their gifts go to yeah, waste. Yeah, maybe that's part of the reason that they've decided to take Alana on. Well, guys. Getting <laughs> <laughs> um, into some stuff here. I also, oh, shoot, what was I going to say? Oh, the, the Isandir are really cool demon spirits. Mm-hmm. I love that Tamar Pierce says that they're so beautiful yeah. that Alana can barely look at them mm-hmm. um, and that they all have these really specific defining physical characteristics like long red nails. Uh, I loved that. Yeah, <laughs> that, that woman was cool. Um, and that their names all start with Ys. Yeah. It's, just, it's great. <laughs> they all are bickering among each yeah. other. But who they're going to eat. Uh, but and no, actually, it plays into this whole theory we're developing that they fall so easily mm-hmm. and are so shocked by it because they have not met anyone who could come close to like doing anything to harm them in hundreds of years. Yeah, and it's not just Alana and Jonathan. It is Alana and Jonathan and the goddess. Yeah, she like calls on the goddess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also Jonathan in his man form. Yeah, but like the Jonathan, which we don't know a lot about. The goddess point, is helping us, so yeah. Right, right. I guess I always thought of when Alana goes into her woman state, she is specifically channeling the goddess. Mm-hmm. Um, so who is Jonathan channeling? That's what I'm. That's what was my Good thought. Point. But I might, I might just be wrong. Oh, yeah. uh, again, like with Sabriel, like with all depictions of magic mm-hmm. you know it's it's a little unclear exactly yeah, what's going on which is what makes it like mm, that's is... what makes it magical because <laughs> you don't understand it don't know it's, where it's not science from. it's magic um so in a way it can't make sense yeah precisely um so we've we've already talked about how alana's sexuality grows as the books progress um in this first book uh just to kind of discuss our just enter into our segment about whether there's romance Mm -hmm. and whether it you know is meant to impact young women or young adults Mm -hmm. who are reading it sexually Mm -hmm. could that have been a more protracted and awkward introduction (laughs) talking about sex guys (laughs) uh there there isn't any there isn't any romance in this book no, I, it's it's clear of it. Jonathan really likes the. Oh shoot! Okay, I'm doing that thing you said I would do, where I read the second book. I read the second book right away because I wanted to keep going. And Madeline said, "You'll conflate the events. Don't do it." And I said, "No, I'll be fine." And then she it's read so it different. in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it is in this book that the that the beautiful woman comes to court, right? Nope. Okay. Sorry. Womp. Womp. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Um, yeah. There, there's no romance in this book, which is great. It's about a child. I mean, we discussed this earlier. It's appropriate. Yes, it's absolutely appropriate because mm-hmm. this is a stage that everyone goes through. The mm-hmm. pre-romance, like, you're just kind of like, oh, what stuff is happening to my body? It's awful. Madeline. <laughs> so note that Madeline just kind of looked down at her groin and just spread her hands out. What's happening? What the hell is this? <laughs> 
Yeah, that's that's what that's how it goes. That that's pretty much exactly. Yeah, I was not. I very much recall the feel like I wasn't like Alana. I knew what was going on. I remember it more than anything else. I was just like bummed. I was like, oh, this is forever. This is gonna be happening for decades now. Endless nightmare. <laughs> um. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Actually, and Alana's so wrapped up in hiding that she's a woman that, of course, there wouldn't be any kind of romance on her end. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, exactly. at, for most of the book, the only even candidate is George, mm-hmm. and it doesn't happen quite yet. Um, so there's nothing, yeah. and that's that's good. Yeah, no, it was appropriate for her stage in life. Something else I wanted to add earlier when we were talking about how Alana feels about being a woman um, I did I just think that there's a really good push and pull between hating having to be a woman but still embracing what being a woman means mm-hmm. um, that is that's such a complicated feeling and it's yeah. really hard to articulate and mm-hmm. I think it's so impressive that that is so well addressed mm-hmm. in in these books. Yeah, like over the course of the entire. No, you're right. Quadrangle. Mm-hmm. Could yes. <laughs> um, and especially when I was twelve, I really identified with it. But I still identify with that today. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm very true. happy to be a woman. But I still, I still have moments where you know it's not the same as when I was a kid. And I would mm-hmm. tell mom, I wish I were born a boy, and she would completely freak out. Sorry, mom, but that happened. She was, yeah. Um, <laughs> and just, yeah, just wishing that you didn't have to deal with some the of this garbage. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, but like enjoying being a woman, but sometimes just getting really tired out by it. Just having a break. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of baggage that comes with being a man, too. Just a break from gender, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. Which, yeah. which Alana kind of gets in a nice way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So to address the question that I think we should ask about each of these books, is this YA? Is it appropriately targeting young adults? Mm -hmm. I would say for sure. Yeah. This is, uh, yeah, it's right at that demographic. And I think it's totally fine even for older, older but young adults. Uh, because of what it leads into for the next mm-hmm. books. And, you know, obviously, if you're listening to this and if you've read those books and you haven't read the rest, my goodness, go and read the rest. They are, it's, they come as it's an so entire yeah. cohesive thing. And there's a, and they're wonderful. Um, there's a very different setting for each book, mm-hmm. which I always really appreciate. They, uh, yeah, they really hold your interest. I, like I said, I immediately read In the Hand of the Goddess, the second book, um, after finishing this one. And I, uh, I made it up to her ordeal and then stopped because I got too stressed out. <laughs> oh, <too> scary. <laughs> but I'm going to read the rest this week. <laughs> um, and yeah, if, I mean, if we get good response to this episode, I'd be down to do more mm-hmm. of the books in the quadrangle, too. Yeah, and um, we're also thinking of doing one from uh, the Wild Magic. With yeah, Dane. yeah. I mean, Tamar Pierce um, was a big part of why I wanted to even start this podcast. Um, I really wanted to revisit her books and not just read them, but discuss them. 
Um, and this is basically our little book club <laughs> for doing so. We hope it's your book uh, club too. Yeah, you better be reading along. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it is YA, definitely appropriate for that age group, but I am really enjoying rereading them as an adult. Um, things do feel a little simpler than they did yeah uh, back then but I don't es think that's a bad thing especially something that um, she does in her books is that someone very educated will say something and drop a couple big words yeah and then there's a sentence after like everyone looked at him and then he's like oh pardon me and then he says it in smaller words and it's like okay I yeah we know what those <laughs> words mean <laughs> They're yeah, not, they're don't not, condescend. They're not very obtuse words, but, you know, for a 10-year-old, they might be, so. Yeah, no, and, and that goes back to the clear-cut good and evil forces mm -hmm. and all of that, but sometimes it's nice to have that work done for you so that you can think about other aspects of the book. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, that's, I think those are all the points I had written down to cover. Um, was there anything else about the book that stuck in your stuck in your craw? <laughs> I've stunned that <laughs> the silence with the use of that looking, phrase. Looking into the okay, so there's one thing that struck me, and I was like, "No, you're wrong," and I understood it. Okay, so when she met George for the first time, it said that like his nose was too big for him to be attractive, but when he smiled he was handsome and I was like no George Cooper is always handsome like she's yeah. just a little girl and mm -hmm. she do is not yet like sexually into mm -hmm. men so she's just and kind he's of young too I mean oh, at that true. point that's he probably true. hasn't like fully grown so he probably has an awkward yeah. face his thing nose might on. be a little too big he might not have grown thing. into it <laughs> yet exactly yeah because I always pictured him as like very uh, what did you say rockish rakish rakish <laughs> I don't know what rockish <laughs> I, I always pictured him as looking a little bit like a pirate yeah, um, yeah, the, yeah. the book says that he's tan uh, and you know twinkly eyes mm -hmm. up, up to no good um, and I love that he is just endlessly friendly and helpful but then when Alana sneaks into his room at night he almost slits her throat yeah uh, which I kind of collection. He has a collection of ears. Yeah. I mean, there, there's such great depth to his character, uh -huh. yeah. and it all it all feels appropriate to mm -hmm. me. It doesn't feel like there are just okay positives and negatives shoehorned in. Yeah. I see that as George. Mm -hmm. I liked his character a lot. I thought it was very well done. And to become the king of thieves, he had to kill the last king. Yeah. Um, yeah exactly. So, so he's killed one of his own, at least. Yeah. I mean, we know about the years, so so like yeah, a lot more than you know. one, uh, and he has he has his people everywhere. I mean, he has a great reach. He has a lot of power. He really, really does. <laughs> I mean, Stefan is in the stables and keeps him abreast of all everything that happens in the palace. Gossip. Yeah, mm -hmm. he can send letters to Tom without worrying about anyone intercepting them. Although one of the messengers gets murdered he like point. laughs about how like that's between me and my lord provost but like I know. that guy is never like no chance no, no chance ever like this guy is basically like an emperor 
provost is just like a dude that apparently the king doesn't even care about because yeah. he, his priorities don't line up at all. So he's just kind of like a rogue prosecutor, like <laughs> hanging out, punishing people, <laughs> wagging his fingers. Everybody loves that down. guy. Um. Yeah, I I agree. I and and George was just always kind of this ideal character yeah. to me. George and Lana are my OTP. Um, she ships them. <laughs> well, I don't need to ship them. When she was small, she <laughs> shipped them before she reached the end of the series. No. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> They're together, Madeline. For real. For for so real this fiction. This is another spoiler for the end for okay. other books that are okay, yeah. I feel terrible about this. Think about it. I know it's hard though. It's hard to yeah, because it's part of a series, so, like, you should have read these books already. We'll, we'll see how, how this episode goes, and then we no can... No sympathy. Um, we can talk about covering some Spoiled. I would love to cover all of them. I, Me too. This is absolutely one of my favorite series ever, and, yeah, it, it's been so great to look back at it. Yeah, it's been really, really nice. wiser so eyes. Yeah. Um, well, I think, that, I think that covers it. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to say about Alana? Um, I think I am all good. I was really happy to see her again. So we will, I mean, do we want to announce our next book? I announced it at the end of the last episode. Do you um, know what our next book is? <laughs> but we haven't really chosen it yet. Is this a <clears throat> under pressure, sudden death round of selection? <laughs> So we could stay in the Tortal universe and do Emperor Mage next, or we could go off in another direction. But if we did Emperor Mage, we would We'd have, have to read, read the first oh my God. two. And okay. <laughs> that's, yeah, Mage. that's a lot. We have a lot going on in our lives. Um, yeah, it's it's Sunday night. We spent the entire weekend doing, you know, obligations. Some fun, some not so fun. But obligations <laughs> sounds like our own ordeal, <laughs> night's ordeal. Uh, so we'll announce the next one shortly. That we will. Um, in the meantime, I still have to create our website, but you'll soon be able to find us at dragonbabiespodcast.com. Our Twitter is dragonbabiespod, P-O-D, the first syllable of podcast, because at dragonbabies is taken and protected. Couldn't get it, you guys. Um, and the music used in this podcast is Pippin the Hunchback. It was composed by Kevin McLeod. It's licensed under the Creative Commons license, and you can find his music at incompetech.com. We're Dragon Babies. Until next time. Goodbye.